Hey ladies and gents and welcome to the first episode of the Controlled Interest Podcast where we talk about gaming and everything going on in the industry. I'm Jared, joined with Jordan. What's up guys? And Dominic. Hey, what's going on? And we're just here to talk about, you know, the news and then some topics that we bring to the table. So I'm going to be pulling up the news stories here guys and uh, since both of you guys are big PlayStation guys... Over on the PlayStation blog, Justin Masongill wrote about the February's top downloads. So we're gonna play a little game here and have you guys try to guess what you think. We'll do the top, we'll top, do the top five for PS4 and the top three for PS3. So we'll get the PS3 ones out of the way. So Jordan, you first. What do you think were the top three most downloaded games on the PS3 uh, for the month of February? Um, you know, at this point, it's kind of just a. Uh... A crapshoot, you know, like Red Dead Redemption could pop up or something, but I think it's a strong pick if I go with, like, a sports game or Call of Duty. So, since they only had multiplayer only on Call of Duty, I'm going to say FIFA 16. Okay, and what about you, uh, Dom? You can either guess all three games, or you can go Jordan's round and pick what you think is the top game. Oh, you guys are going to be surprised. I don't think you guys will get it, but we'll see. Well, I was going to say Call of Duty until you said that, but I'll stick with Call of Duty. Black Ops 3, is it now? So you're going to go with Call of Duty as well? Unfortunately, it was that was the number six selling game on the PS3. The top three selling games uh, in descending order are at number three, Army of Two, The Devil's Cartel, which is really interesting. Uh, number two, Minecraft, uh, which is an easy go-to because Minecraft yeah. is always selling to oh, this yeah. day. Should have thought of that. And number one, Need for Speed Most Wanted. Uh, so, yeah, it is kind of weird to kind of guess those games because it's, you know, a dying a dying system in the sense of, you know, people are moving over to the new gen. And uh, so going into the PS4 games, we'll do the top five. Hopefully you guys will be, uh, be able to get them. You don't have to pick the exact order, but I just want your guesses of what's going to be in that top five. So uh, this time we'll start off with you, Dom. Go ahead. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to say Far Cry Primal. That's out now, I believe. Um, Got to be at least in the five. After that, probably still Call of Duty. I could see staying in the top five. Um, I'll say Minecraft as well. Uh, actually, I'm going to throw in Battlefront 2 because um, they recently announced a couple uh, a couple DLC and new heroes and stuff they're going to do later on. So I think that might help research that a little bit. So I'm at four now. Um, what else? Man, what 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 else is going on? Um, yeah, I'm at a loss. I'll, we'll just throw out Need for Speed too. Okay, and uh, Jordan, what do you think? Let's see. I'm definitely gonna go with Far Cry Primal since it came out at the tail end of the month. Um, I'll say Need for Speed as well. Um throw a sports game in there, so I'll say FIFA 16 again. Um, Black Ops 3, and just for good measure, The Witness. Okay, so uh, Primal's definitely in the top five, um, and the other four, neither of you guys guessed. So we'll uh, start in descending <laughs> order. At number five, Street Fighter Five. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What was I thinking? Number four is Naruto Shippuden Ultimate Yada Yada Yada. Um, Naturally. Oh. Number three, Rocky League Steel, which is really impressive. Wow. That game is a super hit. Um, Primal came in at two, so both of you guys made the safe pick there. Number one, uh, Firewatch. Huh. Yeah, wow. which I figured is sold, but I didn't think it was the top-selling game, especially to outsell Far, uh, Far Cry Primal. Um Though Far Cry Primal came out towards the tail end of the month, still, it's it's impressive, really, to see Firewatch up there as the number one top-selling game. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's really good for Camp Santo and those guys. Okay, so the next story is just a quick hitter here. For all of you who are interested in Pokemon Go, um, with the recent you know announcement of Pokemon Sun and Moon, people are still wondering where Pokemon Go is. Uh, the announcement was going to be released this year. And signups for Pokemon Go's field tests are now live, according to Ben Reeves over at Gameformer.com. So if you do live in Japan and you're listening to this, um, congratulations, it made it to you. And, uh, yeah, so if you go to this website, uh, if you go to Game Informer, go to the news, and you go to the article, you will see that uh, you can sign up there uh, and follow the link. All the descriptions for all the news stories we talk about are going to be in the link on our YouTube videos, so definitely check that out. Um, just a quick Pokemon story there. Going on to the big news here, so get ready. Uh, 
Epic Games founder and Microsoft buttheads over the PC storefront policy. So I'm going to go into this story real quick, let you guys know. Epic Games founder Tim Sweeney recently uh, wrote an editorial basically speaking out against Microsoft's universal Windows platform. Uh, in short, he is not a fan of it because it kind of closes off the, uh, you know, the the market and it makes it for other people to kind of, uh, it's going to be hard for them to get in, you know. It's kind of like the Android platform in a sense where if Google doesn't put it in front of your face, it's going to be hard for you to get to it. Um, and he basically says in a quote, my criticism is limited to Microsoft structuring its operating system to advantage its own store while unfairly disadvantaging competing app stores. So uh, he has some theories about how it's going to be, you know, a big play for Microsoft. What do you guys think about this? Are his concerns justified? You know, I'm not sure. It seems like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, it almost seems like he's he's worried about the fact that Windows 10 is on Xbox One. Is that correct? It's basically, so moving forward, the universal Windows platform is going to be the thing that kind of melds those two together, you know? Yeah. And he's worried that it's going to kind of shut out everything else and try to make the PC, at least the Windows PCs, a closed-off ecosystem, you know? So if you, like, Quantum Break's coming out on PC, are you going to be able to purchase that through Steam? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I think you had to purchase it through the Windows Store. I'm pretty okay. sure, yeah. So that's that's what we're getting at here. Um. Yeah, I gotta agree. I don't understand these, especially on PC, these stores that pop up, like, that are just against Steam, you know, or, or against being part of Steam, like how EA has Origin, um, and there's other companies, publishers that have their own kind of website or uh, uh, game store to download from, and obviously this Windows one. Um, I like the the more agnostic approach with either going just straight with steam or I think good old games, uh, God, just yeah. download the game. Yeah. So I like that too, where it's like, then you don't have to have steam running in the background, which is obviously going to hurt you from running higher end graphics. So it's like, yeah, just, just let us download the game if we're playing on PC, you know? Right. Uh, Dom, what do you think about this? Do you think he, uh, He's justified in his concerns whether or not, you know, Microsoft is trying to close off the PC market to themselves. Uh, I mean, I guess it's complicated. So, I mean, for, first of all, I can't see the, the Windows Store being very successful long term for straight PC games, right? I mean, they tried to do this sort of thing before with um, Xbox Live on Windows. I can't remember what the exact title they used for it. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, it's... the it's still available on a PC. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to go through a different store, but I just I can't see Microsoft ever completely, you know, getting it to the point where they're shutting down Steam and Origin and where no one uses those anymore and they only use... But what Windows if it's cross-platform cross-buy then? I, I mean, that would be ideal. Ideal, obviously, but... I, I mean, I guess right now I don't see it as a real concern, but maybe he's thinking a little longer term than I am, but I, I guess... You know um, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Jared, you bring up a good point. I think they are, I think this platform that they're building right now is definitely a play to eventually build up to some kind of cross-buy system because that is a big advantage that Sony has over them where, you know, there's certain games I can buy for PS4 for like 20 bucks and then I get a copy on PS3 and on Vita to take on the go. So it's like, it'd be really great if you could do the same with, Quantum Break on PC and Xbox, you know? Yeah, and it also allows you to play the game maybe a different time at higher settings. Also, yeah. it depends on how Windows is going to integrate the modding community as well. That's also a big play, you know? Yeah, that's a good that, point. I think them having their own store could only hurt mods, you know? Yeah. It's only going to make it more difficult to have your mod work on a certain game and... and uh, be able to install it and do all those sorts of things so and maybe what what if they also are uncomfortable with the way steam handled their their platform being hacked but then again steam can go to to them and say well you know consoles aren't harm free either <laughs> happens to you guys as well you know yeah i don't i don't know that that's it i think they're just trying to get theirs you know they're trying to corner their own spot in the on yeah. the pc platform so we heard uh well you guys heard our concerns uh with his concerns, but you know, the Xbox exec actually came out recently right after this story had been published. And, uh, 
giving credit where credit is due. That story was from Kyle Hilliard over at Game Informer as well. He wrote up that piece. Link will be in the description. Um, but right after that was posted over on GameSpot.com, Eddie McCook, I believe. I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, he wrote an article talking about how the Xbox exec responded to these monopoly concerns and he basically came out and said windows has always been an open ecosystem welcoming the contributions of hardware and software partners and will always continue to be which he does have a point you know windows has tried to work with as many people as they can and they've tried to make their platform open so just because they're trying to make this new universal windows platform all of a sudden people think that they're going to change their stance on this kind of stuff you know so he does have a point but then again it is coming from the xbox exec who works with microsoft you know so he's gonna try to make them in the best light they can so what do you guys think about the xbox exec you know replying to these monopoly concerns do you think he's being really biased do you think he has a point with this quote what do you guys think i you know if i had to pick a side here i'd probably say i'd go with um the epic games guy just because sweeney yeah yeah i think it's worth being skeptical, you know, if, like I said, they are trying to corner their part of the PC platform, why aren't they just, like, making a huge partnership with Steam, you know, like, getting something going with Valve to where it's, like, Steam finally is the platform on PC gaming, you know? Yeah, that would be huge for, that would be huge for Xbox, too, because if Universal Windows platform uh, is for both the console and the PC, right, and they work congruently with one another if they're able to get steam on their back and you can play your your steam games on your home console that would be huge for microsoft that would be a crazy win you know it would it would be a win but they would lose money on it so yeah dumb yeah so i wonder if um i mean that would be great for both parties but if looking back now i mean valve trying to uh penetrate the console market with the steam machines too um you know it kind of tells me they're not really interested in necessarily that kind of partnership with Microsoft, but albeit albeit the Steam machines obviously kind of hit a brick wall, but still. Yeah, so I think think there's really the, you know, Epic's Epic's founder, Tim Sweeney, actually has a really strong relationship with Microsoft. Obviously, Epic Games published a lot of exclusive content for Microsoft, you know? So with him having concerns, that's, I think, the problem here that people have is, like, if this guy was so closely tied with Microsoft and he has concerns, you know, people are kind of worried about that. But I think we're just going to have to see where things go from from here. I think it's way too early uh, to see where this thing's going to be implemented and how it's going to be implemented. It's right to have concerns, but, you know, you can't really count the chickens before they're hatched kind of approach. Um, And, uh, yeah, so going into our last news story here, there was an article posted over at Kotaku.com by Jason Schreier, and uh, it basically shows this advertisement for The Division where there's two quotes, one from GameZone, uh, a gaming website, and one from IGN. And the IGN one states, best new franchise, and the GameZone one states, blows Destiny out of the water. Now, people are having issues with this because these aren't necessarily going towards the release of The Division. These quotes have been taken out of context, and, you know... Ubisoft isn't the first company to do this, and they know that this is a game that's going to be competing directly heads-on with Destiny for years to come. And uh, so the reason the quotes are being, you know, uh, targeted for false advertisement is that the best new franchise quote from IGN was taken from their E3 show, where they stated it was the best new franchise they saw at E3. So people feel as if them saying that this is the best new franchise now that it's releasing is kind of going against that, and people need to know where that quote was from. The other one is actually the correct quote, and it was relatively, you know, a little while ago, but it was shortened. The actual quote says, the division blows Destiny out of the water with 6.4 million beta users. So, you know, that can be taken out of context as well because it's talking about the beta numbers. That's all it's talking about. Because they shortened it, though, the quote means something entirely different. It's meaning that it's a better game, you know? Um... So people are worried about that. And the game zone, uh, people actually said that next time they're actually going to make sure that when they give permission to somebody to use their quotes, that they're going to know exactly how they're used and where they're used. So do you guys think this is a case of false advertisement or do you think this is just another company that's doing what everyone else does? What do you think, Dom? So um, I guess I'm a little uncomfortable with the way they take it out of context. But given what you said that... um that the party that actually made the comment, it was okay. So in this case, IGN was ultimately gave the okay for them to, you know... Endgame zone. Exactly, yeah. Um, So both those parties gave the okay 
um, for their quotes to be kind of cut off and shortened to make it sound a little different than it was really intended. Um, it's still, I mean, we could get into real deep discussion about the ethics and morality of uh, certain marketing and advertising techniques, but it, it still kind of rubs me the wrong way um, hearing about it, like when you hear what it was really meant to mean. So, and, that, and it kind of makes me think like now going forward, every, every time I hear something like that, I'm going to start to question, you know, yeah, but oh, that, they're saying this about this game, but let's, let's see what the full quote was, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but from a morality standpoint, I mean, yeah, again, it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. So what do you think, Jordan? Going, going off of that, uh, before we get into that, Jordan, I want you to kind of, uh, give your impressions as to, do you think that people make sure should make sure to have their 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 hate or their anger towards the right person? Because you know a lot of people are going to throw this at the people who developed um, the division, but this is this could be a marketing decision. You know, they could have no say in this. True. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I don't think um, the developers are the ones that made this call. So I, I definitely don't throw the blame at them. There's blame to be had here, and I definitely think it's unethical, and I'm totally not okay with it. At the same time, they're really kind of just playing with loopholes and not necessarily doing anything wrong. This reminds me last year when Tom Hardy did the movie Legend, where he played the two twin brother gangsters from Britain. He, um, you know, the marketing group for the film uh, did a, a picture where, you know, of course you can find it online, but it's basically both Tom Hardy's standing in front of uh, kind of like a poster background where it has all these four-star reviews and then in between their two heads is the review from The Guardian and it's a two-star review but it looks like their heads are covering up the other stars. <laughs> wow. Ah, okay. So yeah. it looks like all the other four-star reviews but they're just in front of it and yeah. really it's a two-star review from The Guardian. So this reminds me the, it's the same exact thing um, just kind of playing those loopholes. They're really not misquoting them or changing the quote they're just cutting off the end or you know with legend they're really just you know putting it in a convenient place to make your mind think that so i get it from both ends i think that you know the marketers are are trying to be sly and they're trying to get as many people into this game as possible but i really think there's other ways to go about it and i think that you know in the last 10 years we've seen so much vitriol towards especially ea and activision and ubisoft for the type of practices that they bring to the table where, um, you know, EA gets called one of the worst corporations in the world and um, Activision does some some weird stuff with Call of Duty. I can't remember last year, was it Call of Duty that had the fake Twitter account that was, like, reporting fake terrorist attacks on Twitter? I think so. Um, I, I know what you're talking about. I'm not sure if it was Call of Duty, but I do know the event that you're talking about. I'm pretty sure yeah. it was Call of Duty, though. Activision has been known to uh, do some interesting things. I'll just put it at that, you know. But they just got you're a forward-facing company and you got to look at how that may seem to a general audience, especially people who aren't gamers and don't even know what your game is. It's like, "Oh, that's what video games are now. They're tweeting out fake terrorist attacks for a shooter game." It makes it look even worse than the whole you know, violent video games make you violent thing. It, it's almost spreading farther at that What point. I think it is is that I think it's an old-school approach to a new industry. I think they're taking the marketing sure. that they've had in movies and radio and everything where you kind of take what you can, cut it up the way you want people to see it, and then you push it out there, you know? And yeah. I think it's kind of like these people are being brought up as marketers and stuff, and they, they see the old-world way of how things work, and they're, they probably don't have the room to try new things. They're probably being told by somebody higher up, this yeah. is what works. This has worked. We're going to do it this way. We don't care if it's quote-unquote unethical or the morality there is in question or we're, we're you know, tricking people. It works. And, you know, when something works, we get paid. And that's what we care about, you know? And see, nobody is as interactive with their medium as gamers are. Like, nobody is – even film buffs or, or cinephiles aren't, like – are, are not as engaged, especially with the marketing of films as gamers are, or people who are, you know, audiophiles and super into music are not like super engaged with the marketing of music the way gamers are. Well, and so I think that has think to do that with the, the, that's a big point, you know? Yeah. I think that has to do with the fact though, that we know we're going to commit so much time to this 
you know, that we want to do everything we can to make sure this is an appropriate, you know, purchase. It's not that the expense is crazy. It's that the time we're going to put into this game is crazy. Yes. We know we're going to spend this time that we can be doing something else. And we want to know that we're we're getting into something that's worth it because this is a medium that's way different than any other medium, you know? Yeah. I've ne- I've even my favorite movie, I don't think I've put the hours I've put into some of my favorite games, not even close, you know. Um yeah. I think I think that uh I think we we just need to see as the years go once, you know, the younger generation starts getting in these positions of power that things start changing towards, you know, the industry starts changing towards the way we out- outlook on things and, you know, we just need to change the way we approach things from marketing, from everything, really. It's so old school now that we, we kind of have a, gotta have a new outlook on it. Yeah, they yeah. work, but it doesn't mean something else won't work just as well. Um, sure. Going off of that really dark discussion, um, <laughs> I'm going to bring up my first topic here. It's going to be, do you guys think that the, the vision is going to live up to the hype? It comes out um, the day you're listening to this, Tuesday, March 8th. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to be the direct competitor to Destiny. Uh, it's it's essentially fighting for that player share, right? It's an open world game where it's mission based and it's an RPG, um, but it's set in more so current day post apocalyptic as opposed to future sci fi, right? Do you think this game will succeed? Um, before we get into that, I just want to say that I I have I played the alpha and the beta, so I have a little bit of experience with it. I'm not too sure if you guys have, but uh, once we get into our thoughts on that, we'll figure out. Uh, if you guys have played it or what your guys' thoughts on it are. So, uh, shouldn't you first, Dom? What do you think? Will the division live up to the hype that Ubisoft is putting on this game? So, I think it, I mean, I think it definitely has the, has the potential to. So, I, I missed both the alpha and the beta. So, I have no hands-on experience at all. I mean, I've watched a couple of Let's Plays of the beta and things like that. But, yeah, um, I think it looks really interesting. Um, personally, it's not for me. Um, I'm not big into the multiplayer games nowadays, but I could imagine... Um, you know, with a group of friends, um, this could be a big time sink for a lot of people, um, which is exactly, uh, like you said, the, the kind of crowd that was into Destiny. So, and I'm sure that they're looking at what Destiny did right and wrong and learning from that and trying not to make the same mistakes, you know, kind of a, a lack of content or a lack of story. Um, so I'm sure they'll try to, you know, course correct based on what Destiny did. And I, I think this has huge potential um, to be pretty big again no hands-on experience for me myself but i think it looks very interesting uh jordan what do you think so i got into the alpha last winter um but i missed it because that's when i got bloodborne um and then i played the beta uh earlier in february for just a couple hours so um i like the game it's a solid third person shooter and that's really like the basis that it needs, you yeah. know, to even start competing with Destiny. So it's got that going for it. It's got the loot game and, and the online multiplayer and connectivity type of thing going. Um, and I think it's going to sell millions of copies and it's going to have a following and I think people are going to still be playing it later on this year, you know, like around Game of the Year talks. I don't think it's going to be an evolved situation. But... Um, you know, what we were talking about earlier with the marketing and, and little things like that can really turn the tide to whether it's a, you know, like we saw with Destiny, where whether it was a, like a 7.0 or a 9.0, there were very small little things that, that made that difference. So I hope the best for the division because I want more um, of these like hybrid MMOs that you don't really have to sink a hundred hours in just to get good at. Yeah. And I do like the setting a lot. You know, the post-apocalyptic Manhattan and Christmas around Black Friday. But um, it's definitely like a wait-and-see approach for me. I'm not going to be getting it day one, um, mainly just because I'm not like a huge multiplayer gamer, and so I'd probably wait until it was like 30 bucks or so. But I think it's got, like I said, it has that basis of the strong third-person shooting aspect and the loot game. So uh, there's definitely potential there. I think, you know, the big concern is longevity, right? Because this is a game that's going to be a platform as opposed to, like, you know, a single-game release. It's going to be supported. That was the big thing with Destiny is that it was a release and then it was supported with uh, substantial, quote-unquote, DLC afterwards. (laughs) Personally, I sunk way too many hours into Destiny, more than I want to admit. But 
you know, I you'd think if you put that much time into a game, you would appreciate it. But looking back on it, I really don't appreciate the time I spent with Destiny. It's it's kind of like, you know, when you see a book and you read the cover and the cover's really good and you read, you know, maybe the prologue and the prologue's good. But as you can you start to read the actual book, you realize that there's nothing there, you know? Yeah. For me, it seemed like there was so much in this world, but nothing was there, you know? Um, it was just the same thing over and over again, and some people love that. That's why they, they compare it to an MMO. I don't like MMOs. I don't like grinding the same thing over and over again. That's not the type of gamer I am. To the people who love that, great. That's definitely your thing. But to me, it, it, it that's definitely not my thing. And f- the impression I got from Destiny, uh, The Division, rather, is that, yeah, it's, it's in the same basis of Destiny, but I believe that there's a lot more content there. From the alpha and the beta that I both played... Um, it seems like there's a lot more content there. There's going to be some retracing of footsteps, but because of the environment, you know, it takes place in one city and there's so many buildings. Who's to say that later on down the line with updates, they don't unlock certain buildings that you couldn't access before? Because that's what it felt like. You know, when you play a game and there's areas you can you can obviously access and there's areas you can't where it's like either the color isn't there or the detail on that certain object isn't there yeah for this whole entire game almost every door you go to is the same it's hard to tell which doors are accessible besides getting the button prompt so it feels like maybe they are shells right now certain areas but they can actually invest more content into that area so even though you're tracking down the uh, quest lines through the same you know intersection of streets there's going to be a lot of content there because you can take things a different way you know there's certain apartments that open up there are certain things going on um it all depends on how ubisoft handles the situation you know i i think the longevity is a big concern here also it seems like that's what they're buying for you know they're they're not doing assassin's creed this year because they want to focus on assassin's creed but i think also as a part of that they want to focus on the division you know they want to make sure assassin's creed gets back to being the type of game people want to play but they want to put all of their eggs into this basket because if they get the division to hit you see the the money that destiny's pulling in they want that money you know and uh i i think that the longevity is a big thing here dom do you feel that this the the move with the division correlates you know right with them not doing an Assassin's Creed game this year? You think those two are one and the same? Yeah, absolutely. But more than that, I think um, Watch Dogs 2 is going to take uh, <clears throat> definitely take the place of their Assassin's Creed, right? So, I mean, I'm, I think we're all assuming at E3, uh, Watch Dogs 2 will be announced. And hopefully, I mean, it seems ideal that they're going to release that in the fall. But will I mean, it sell, though? You know? <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's tough. So I completely skipped the first Watch Dogs, but... Everyone um, did. <laughs> right? Um... <laughs> What I've heard, though, I mean, given the few improvements, um, it has potential to be really great, too. So, I mean, I'm sure that uh, if they market it the right way and push it as hard as uh, I expect them to, I mean, it should do well um, in the fall. But it, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out in the fall, too, though. So we'll see. Jordan, you have any comments about this? Yeah, I think um, it does seem obvious that they're doing Watch Dogs this fall. And um, we'll see how that goes. But as far as the division, I think... You know, a lot of people, obviously, are, even us, are comparing this to Destiny, and I get that. They're very similar games. But Destiny may end up hurting Watch Dogs, because I think a lot of people could say, well, they're very similar games, and, you know, they, the beta, to me, seemed pretty empty. You mean you like, mean The Division, right? You, you, said, you said Watch Dogs, but I believe you meant The Division? Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, um, comparing Watch Dogs and The Division... The debate, the beta for Division seemed a little bit empty to me, like what you were talking about with the shell buildings and all that that you couldn't go into. Um, and I do think people are going to kind of sit back and wait and see if the Division has a substantial amount of content. If not, I think they might just say, well, why don't I just wait for the Division Taken King 2.0, you know? Yeah. Like, why don't I just wait until they actually make this a full game? Because... I played Destiny for about 15 to 20 hours, Destiny, when it first came out, um, and it was it was great for about 10 or 15 hours, and then it was just boring as crap, because you're playing the same, like, four or five missions on the same two or three planets, or you just do the, the uh, Crucible, and um, 
if that's how the division is, I think that could really hurt it. So I think we'll it's, have to see what kind of content they have. Yeah, especially Bungie is known for Halo, and I, I, you know, yeah, your concerns with the, you know the later Halo games and their stories is irrelevant with this. You know, the early Halo games were great story-driven games. You know, there was the shooting mechanics, but they were great stories. And it's sad to see a company like Bungie, who you expect them to have a solid story when they come out with Destiny, and they build all this lore, but there's nothing there. They totally got yeah. Activisioned, you know. Totally exactly. got Activision. That was very bizarre. Yeah, they t- almost totally omitted the story in that game. Yeah, it was, that was a letdown for sure. Yeah. So, you know, time will only tell whether or not the Division's successful, but uh, let's hop into the second topic. All right, so my topic is the Hitman beta for PS4 that comes out today, uh, March 4th, for PS Plus members. And this beta is going to be running uh, today, March 4th, until March 6th. Um, it is about four, four and a half gigabytes on your PS4 if you want to download it. Wow. And it is two missions. It's apparently the same beta that, uh, pre-order bonuses people got, uh, earlier in February. Okay. And, um, yeah, so kind of just give my impressions and then see what you guys are feeling about on, uh, Hitman coming out on March 11th. So, um, my impressions are, it was a little bit weak. Um, like I said, just two missions and, um, you know, of course you can go back in and there's like challenges for those missions once you beat them to where, oh, assassinate this guy this way or distract this guard this way. And, and those are cool and all, but, uh, quote unquote replayability, right? Right. Exactly. It's definitely a demo. I, I wouldn't call it a beta because a beta kind of makes me feel like you're actually, like, putting me into the game. This is really a prologue. Yeah. And um, it looks like, from what I've been able to find online, that this is actually going to be the prologue in the main game. So, um, is the it's prologue, all right. Sorry to interrupt you. Is the prologue releasing with the first part, or is the prologue the first part? Yes. No, no, it's with the first part. Okay. So, like, this is really just a tutorial, the first mission, and then the second mission is... You know, just kind of a fun thing to get you going. They're really both just tutorials to, like, get you used to the game. Um, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to compare this to Metal Gear Solid Five when it comes out because they're both big open-world stealth games or sandbox stealth games that came around around the same time. Um, it's not nearly as smooth as Metal Gear Solid was. Uh, Metal Gear Solid is one of the best feeling third person action games I've ever played. Yeah. Um, it's just so sm- silky smooth from um, shooting to, you know, crouching and, and getting down on the ground and sliding back and forth in between those, um, jumping on your horse, uh, using your companions. It's just so smooth on a gameplay level, and Hitman was not that way. Um, it had a decent control scheme, and it worked, you know fine uh not a lot of frame rate issues or anything but um it definitely you know coming off of mgs5 it felt uh a little bit below so um once again same thing with the division with it having this weird content system and all that i think i'm definitely not going to be doing day one and i'll just wait and see kind of how it plays out i guess my concern with this is so the big issue they're having with people are with hitman is that it it seems like it wasn't always intended to be episodic right released in parts it seemed like it was supposed to be its own game and then it seems like they're trying to meet deadlines and they're going to release it as is right to me it feels like maybe the, even the first part that they're going to be releasing isn't done yet because if they release a quote-unquote beta that's just a prologue I mean, then what's the point of releasing that? You you shouldn't release a beta as the tutorial levels because that doesn't show people the gameplay. That shows you this is how you play the game, you know? Yeah. It seems really well, weird to me. Um, I'm I'm familiar with Hitman. I like the games a lot. It's weird to me that this one's going to be open world, you said, right? It's kind it's, of an... It's sandbox. Okay, it's, it's sandbox. quite okay. open world, yeah. So it's, it's an interesting dynamic for that. To me, I mean, in a sense of episodic, Hitman works because it's about, you know... Finishing these missions, killing these people in a certain way, and right. there is that replayability system of do this a certain way, do this a certain way. But to me, it doesn't seem like a game that you know people will remember to. Oh, the second episode's out. 
It's not yeah. one of those games that's going to hit you where this is a story. You know, Hitman isn't known yeah. necessarily for its story. It's known for the game mechanics and the game itself. You yeah. know, Life is Strange and the Telltale games, they're known for the story. The gameplay isn't really great, as a lot of people know. But people are like, oh, that ended on a cliffhanger. Oh, I wanted to see where this goes. So they make yeah. sure to know when the second episode comes out. For this, I think a lot I, – I don't know how the sales are going to do because I think a lot of people, it's going to be in the back of their mind. It's not going to be in the back of their mind, rather, that this game is episodic, you know. And uh, I think it's really going to hurt the game. It's it's weird to me. All over, it's super weird, you know. Um, yeah. Another point – Another point I wanted to make real quick was just that uh, during the cutscenes in between missions, um, it's loading. It has a loading bar underneath your your cutscene, and um, there was a lot of stuttering. There was a lot of like slowdown when it was trying to load up, and the cutscene would the audio would get choppy, and the it would get really framey visually. So, um, you know, if this was a beta last fall and this game was coming out right now, that would be different, but the game's a week away from being out, and the cutscenes are all choppy, audio and visual wise. So that is a concern, you know. I mean, you figure they'd want to polish close, that, right? You'd, they'd exactly. Want, yeah. This close to release, I think it should be in uh, uh, a release state, you know, ready to go. Even if they made that beta though, like two months back, wherever you know, a month back, because those things get shipped out, and they got to make sure that everything's working right. Even if it was right. that long ago, you figure it had already been delayed, right? Since last last December or what yeah. was it? Yeah. So you figure they would have made sure that this was polished, especially if there wasn't a lot of content there, right? You said it was a prologue. Like it, it's just weird to me. You know, I don't know if this game's su- going to succeed at all. I think it's going to be, you know, a, a, a foregone thought to people. You know. Um, yeah, it's kind of hanging in the ether. I do think they botched it uh, the way they delayed it right before it was supposed to come out. And then, you know, kind of like, it's been so confusing the way that they've talked about these seasons that they're going to do as, as big episode chunks. Um, and then, you know, people talk about graphical downgrades all the time, but since we first saw this game, it does not look nearly as good. A lot of jagged edges, and it's just... There's way better looking games. Metal Gear Solid Five, for example, looks way better than this game. Yeah. So, Dom, you are you having any familiarity with uh, Hitman or any thoughts on this? So actually, I mean, I've never even touched any of the Hitman games. So I guess uh, I'm a Hitman virgin. Will. <laughs> um, Don't pop your chair with this game, apparently. So yeah, apparently. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just it hasn't exactly been on my radar, but yeah, I found it interesting. Um, yeah, them splitting this up into episodes seems really out of place and yeah if i had to guess i would agree that it's purely just to meet meet release dates right well maybe we can get the first third out etc but yeah i mean i can't see that being a good strategy as well as far as like you know the quality of the game goes but yeah it sounds it sounds like they could see some trouble with it but we'll see so who's publishing this game jordan do you know square enix and it is io (laughs) interactive uh who's developing I'm surprised it's not like Hitman Part 13, Deuce X, something, something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Episode Dusk Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, we all really have concerns about this game, whether or not it's going to be good. Uh, the beta really concerns me, like you said. Uh, hopefully the story is good, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's shaky right now. We're, we're going to wait and see. Probably... Um, if I had to make a choice right now, I'm thinking I'm waiting for a sale. Yeah. So... Speaking of story, uh, Dom, what's your topic? So, um, if anyone else saw this, recently, uh, John Boyega, who plays Finn in uh, Star Wars Episode Seven, um, and he's been known as to be a fan of video games. I think he's uh, he said it in an interview previously. He loves loved the Force Unleashed games, um, and he was really excited for Battlefront. Um, so, just recently, he tweeted at EA Star Wars. Um, and I'm quoting, uh, will fans get a full-on offline story mode? Um, it's a more enjoyable way to learn the controls. To which EA Star Wars replies, um, have you had a chance to try the missions? Um, which if anyone, <laughs> anyone who's played Battlefront knows that that's, I mean, the missions are, they're there, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's, they're a that's thing. About, that's about all they have going for them. Yep, they are there. Um, they can be played offline, technically. Um yeah, there's not a whole lot to the mission. So in response to that, Boyega actually said, um, 
yeah, I thought it was great, but definitely leaves you wanting to engage within a narrative. Um, which is very interesting. So essentially, you know, that's Boyega asking, you know, wh wh when are we going to see a story mode in Battlefront? Um, which quite frankly, I mean, I don't see that happening, but I think I share with, uh, with Boyega and many, many others that, yeah, a story mode in Battlefront would have been absolutely phenomenal. Um, that game is just so beautifully and so like, well, so beautifully made and so well optimized. Um, it's a shame that it was kind of short on content, and that it's going to be limited to just multiplayer. But, um, so I guess that that kind of brings up the question of, um, what do you guys think about Battlefront coming out with, uh, with just a multiplayer mode, and also a multiplayer mode that's that's kind of light even so, so as far as the content it starts with. For me, I got to play enough of Star Wars Battlefront to make a decision whether or not I was going to buy it, and I decided not to. And that was thanks to EA Access. Uh, I'm a subscriber to that. You pay five bucks a month, and you get access to, you know, a bunch of EA titles, and you get to play EA titles for up to ten hours, right? So it was like ten hours. That's more than enough time to figure if I want this for the long haul. I didn't. Uh, I I play multiplayer games, but I want there to be something there not necessarily that there needs to be a story mode for instance i love titanfall um i would have loved a single player campaign and hearing that the second game is going to have that future civil war in space awesome but for star wars here's the thing amy hennig who left naughty dog is working on the on the star wars game right and if she has any kind of say that game is going to have a tremendous story right yeah yeah do you think that maybe there we don't we didn't need a story in battlefront because we got the movie right we wanted something just to salivate ourselves with star wars so maybe what ea was thinking is you know instead of trying to push our team too thin and try to make this game more than it needs to be we'll give them a multiplayer experience for people who love star wars right it's really enriching but for the people who want more who want a story well we have that game coming and i wish if they were just a little bit more clear about their messaging like we have the story game you want just wait it's almost here and i think we'll hear more about that at e3 uh they, they have to say something about that game right um I, I think if they were just clear in their messaging of like we know you guys want a story game we are working on that just please give us some time and if, if people knew that there was a story coming out maybe yeah maybe people would still want a story in battlefront but what would the story be about you know, we they could, you know, make a, a thing, a clone of Force Awakens and just put that in a video game. But I personally don't want that. That's what the movie's there for. Personally, if I'm going to play a game that's based solely on, on the product, that's what Lego does, right? That's what Lego does. They make games that are based on the movie specifically. They could do a side story and stuff like that. But once again, I think that's what Amy Hennig's working on. You know, I think they, they're making something that's going to be really great. I, I have no doubt Naughty Dog has a track list. She has a track list for making great games. So that's my opinion on it. I think it's fine with it not having a story mode. Not every game needs a story mode. If there's something else in play, this being the Amy Hennig game, you know? So, so yeah. I'm unbelievably hyped for that. I mean, I, I know absolutely nothing about it except she's working on it and that it's coming too. Um, do we, has there been any, like, details released about that? Or do we know even kind of what? No. The, no. There's nothing. We, we don't know anything. Oh, man. Nothing. So, yeah, I'd say... I you know, I kind of disagree with you, Jared. I think that it's I'm super excited for Amy Hennig's game, and yes, that is going to be story driven and all that. I believe, but we hope. <laughs> sure, I don't think that that game's existence or the fact that it's going to probably be written by Amy Hennig negates Battlefront having a story. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. That, I agree with you. I think Battlefront can have its own story, and I think. You know, they just put out a book uh, last fall called Battlefront Twilight Company, which I haven't read. Um, From what I heard, those books aren't necessarily great, but that's besides the point. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But it does show that, like, you could write a story about, a you know, uh, a squadron in Battlefront, and you could make it good. I definitely think there could be cool Battlefront stories told. Yeah. And I think that they could give some real context to these battles that you're fighting in. Um to me, Battlefront is kind of lame. Um, not the concept of Battlefront. I love the old games, um, and I love Star Wars, but this game itself is a little bit lame. It's a little bit just eye candy. It's like me. product pushing, I think. It, it's Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. It, Same with uh, the Disney Infinity 3.0 playset. It's like, this is the big kid version of Disney Infinity 3.0, you know? So yeah. Battlefront is definitely taking advantage of... Um, 
people's love for Star Wars, right? I mean, without a doubt, yeah, absolutely. And I and I'm one of those people, and I absolutely bought it without a without a shred of regret. I mean, I knew for sixty bucks, you know, this isn't this isn't a good value, but man, it's it, it looks so good, and I love Star Wars so much that I just couldn't I couldn't not. So yeah, I unapologetically said, screw it. I mean, I guess in a way, yeah, they're they're pulling one on me, but I'm okay with it. I guess. Yeah. See, and that's exactly how I felt, and I was going, I was feeling just like you, and I was planning on getting the game, but as soon as that $50 price point dropped for the season pass, it was clear to me that they were really gouging Oh yeah, they're people. milking it. Yeah. Because, exactly, you're essentially buying two games there, and when the base game itself is so content lacking, well then you essentially have to buy the season pass if you want the full experience. You so you're know? spending so. $120 or $110 on something that you should have had with your $60 purchase. I think well, that's a problem caps, too. Yeah, it's 120 that's two games. Yeah, I think that's a know? problem too with people wanting a single player is because the multiplayer doesn't feel that enriching. I think if the multiplayer was actually an enriching experience and it was deep and there was a lot of content there, people wouldn't have an issue. Well, they probably would have an issue with, that, with it not having a single player, but it wouldn't be as much of an issue. It feels as if, okay, they didn't do a single player and they didn't fully do the multiplayer. So what exactly did they do? Yeah. They wanted you to buy Star Wars. Star Wars, Star Wars, yeah. Star Wars, you know? Yeah. I think, honestly, if it was just the game that it is, Plus, you have a decent eight to ten hour single player story that's fun and engaging. Yeah, I think I probably would have bought the game at sixty dollars. Now I'm gonna wait, you know, until the deluxe package with all the actual content is is super cheap, and then I'll play it and and dink around with it for ten and or fifteen hours, whatever. Here's the thing, Dom. I don't blame you for doing that. I mean, I it's it's you know it's something you really love right and for me i'm like well star wars isn't a huge thing to me i enjoy star wars i like it a lot but it's i'm not my passion isn't to that point but then i put it in retrospect of something i'm super passionate about lord of the rings if this would happen with lord of the rings if they did like a uh you know a multiplayer game i would have definitely bought it because i would have gotten pulled in you know if it was a cash grab so it's you kind of have to put this into perspective of something you pa- are that passionate about and be like, well, what I would you can't blame everybody because if I was in their situation, would I have done the same thing? And for me personally, I would have. So I would have been just as much guilty as you are, you know. So I think I agree with you, uh, Jordan. That yeah, Amy Hennig's game doesn't make it you know any less important for Battlefront to be different than what it is. Right. But for somebody who is super into Star Wars, at least even though they got you this time. Make sure you do your research on that game. Whether Amy Hennig's working on it or not, make sure it's something you want to purchase, not just because it has Star Wars on it. Sure. Don't let them hit you twice. But in the same essence, don't be so against it because of Battlefront that you don't see yeah. it for what it is. You know, it's kind of yeah. playing that and figuring out what exactly it is. Don't kind of, you know, bash that game for what happened with Battlefront because they are completely two different entities, even though they're both under EA's blanket. So, so. really quick side note on this too. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. Um so they finally, I mean, a few weeks back, they, you know, they outlined some of the DLC going forward. But then more recently, um, and I'm reading this from IGN, they kind of detailed exactly um, what the, the next, or the first rather, DLC is going to be. Um, and it's going to include two new hero characters. So that's really quick. I wanna, I'm going to name each of the characters and see if either of you guys know who they are in the Star Wars universe. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I probably won't, but The first let's see. <laughs> is Celustin Rebel Nian Numbed. None be. I don't know how you say it. Uh, <laughs> no idea. Exactly. No clue. Yes. Yes, I do know who that is. He is the pilot that helps out Lando in Return of the Jedi in the Millennium Falcon over the Battle oh, of Endor. All right. <laughs> um, the, the second <laughs> I was familiar with, but some people might not be as, is uh, the Rodian bounty hunter, Greedo. Yeah, yeah Greedo. Yeah, he's the one who shot yep. first, right? Yeah, he... Definitely, I know that <laughs> didn't shoot first. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, okay, that's yeah, interesting. He... That doesn't make me want to buy the game anymore because I it's whatever. But that is interesting. Those are some Greedo makes sense because for the super Star Wars guys, it's like oh, it's Greedo. But the other one is like it has to be a deep dive, right? It's like oh, you definitely are a Star Wars fan if you know who the hell this so is. I think uh, yeah, but see, like I know who that guy <laughs> is, and it's still not making me want to buy. Exactly, game. I was exactly. so expecting Chewbacca or. Yoda or something. I that's don't know. weird. How is Chewbacca yeah, not see, in that's it? Like, I want to use that cool. big old bow that he has and just annihilate things, you know? 
the Celestin is a cool tip of the cap, but really, like, who wants to play as that weird flap face <laughs> you know, monster? You know what I, I think like... it is, though? I think it's that at this point, the only people who are really playing Battlefront are the people who already bit, you know, and they're super into it, and they're like, well, I already did it, and then they see this thing, and they're like, so I'm already invested, and they gave me this weird nod, cool, you know? Yeah, For the, yeah pe- the bandwagon people probably already jumped back off. They probably had their fun times, you know? One thing about this going back a ways, though, on the John Boyega tweet, when I first saw that, I was like, hey, man, where were you, like, six or eight months ago <laughs> yeah. when all of us gamers were talking about this? Yeah. Like, you could have actually maybe, like, I don't think they would have rushed and thrown something in there, but you could have at least got them thinking in time to go, you know what, we're going to throw it in the season pass, and it's only going to be four yeah. hours, but whatever. But here's the thing, though, is the... The gamer gamers are so fickle, right? And they're quick to get angry at things. Maybe he felt like I want people to enjoy me and my 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 portrayal of this character in Star Wars, you know. And he didn't want to step on too many toes. The dude's relatively unknown, right? Oh yeah. And I think he didn't want to do something and then somehow it backfired because things can backfire easily on social media. We've seen that, especially with the gaming industry. And yeah, he should have voiced his opinion, but then again, it's like this dude's new. He wants to be loved by the Star Wars community, and I think he didn't want to count his chickens before they were hatched. He wanted to, you know, get involved in the community the movie way and then start voicing his opinions. Yeah, it sucks he didn't voice him sooner, but his words earlier wouldn't have meant anything, right? Because no one knew who he was. The way you're describing this makes me sound makes him sound like he's like a, a Sith Lord in the background, <laughs> just pulling the puppet strings like Wait until I get them on my side with the movies. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, well, okay, that that wraps up our first podcast, guys. Thank you guys for listening to the Controlled Interest Gamescast. Uh, yeah, make sure to tune in. Follow us on Twitter. That's where you're going to see most of our updates, if not all of our updates, regarding our YouTube videos, our publishing of all of our content. And, you know, just to keep in touch with us as our content gets put up on the Internet. Uh, I'm Jared. You can see me at Twitter at Jared underscore. Jordan, you can see him at Twitter at mellow modus m-e-l-l-o-w-m-o-d-u-s and dom you can find him at twitter at dom 9494 and our twitter for controlled interests is at c-t-r-l-i-n-t that's at c-t-r-l-i-n-t thank you guys for listening we enjoy every listen we get share it with your friends if you want to because we want to make this something that's really awesome and for the first episode i definitely want to give a shout out to the kind of funny guys they brought us together to make this podcast a reality and we really you know are fortunate enough to have that inspiration from them so definitely a shout out to the kind of funny guys any closing thoughts jordan dom hashtag smash the dunst (laughs) dom um that's a kind of funny let's play throwback (laughs) Uh, I mean, Greedo shot first. Okay. There you go. See you guys in episode two next week. Thank you guys for listening. Catch you next time. Bye.